Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. We're going to start things off today. We are going to have one of our favorites in studio, Daya Davis, Daya Ali Davis, a.k.a. Dangerous Daya Davis. He is making his return to the boxing ring on September 1st. He is fighting at the Seminole Casino in Coconut Creek. And you guys will be able to get your tickets. Go to his social media pages at Daya, D-Y-A-H underscore Ali, A-L-Y, Daya underscore Ali. Or you can uh, find him on Twitter at Daya Ali Davis. And you get your tickets that way. And um, make sure you're out there supporting local boxing, supporting local mixed martial arts. Um, You know, I know a lot of our fans here always pining for the big shows, but there's a lot of great shows that get put on otherwise. And in the meantime, while we're all hoping for those to get to going. So, you know, we've been following Dia for a long time down here. He's been on the show multiple times, but it's been a while. So we're happy to have him back on. And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Dia Davis is a super middleweight. He fights at 168 pounds. His father was Howard Davis Jr., who was the Olympic gold medalist and um, an amazing trainer at American Top Team. And Daya now is uh, taking the reins there at American Top Team. He trained some of the best fighters on the planet. Dustin Poirier, Amanda Nunes, Hector Lombard, Joanna and Jacek. So he has a lot of experience on both fields. And so we're going to talk to him about not only his journey back into the ring as he looks to get his boxing career uh, resumed in September, but also uh, working with some of the top mixed martial artists on the planet and that balance of being a fighter and coach so hope you all enjoy the conversation very excited we're getting right into things here on the top of today's show uh a guy i've been looking forward to having on the show for for a while it's been a while daya ali davis join us in studio daya thanks for the time man much appreciated thank you very much brother glad to be back man it's been a while like well, you said it's good to have you back it's good to see that you're going to be back in the ring september 1st at the seminole coconut creek casino people Indeed. are going to see you uh back in action uh, I guess we'll start here. So it's it's been a little bit. You were on such a good run in 2016, 3-0, bang, bang, bang. And uh, it's been a minute. Why why, uh, why the layoff and why now the the comeback? Uh, you know what? Unfortunately, in, in boxing, it's just people don't want to fight, man. They, they don't want tough fights. You see a lot of the guys who are in the top 10 who, you know, basically have a good shot at fighting for the title. They're trying to get the easiest way to that position. So... A lot of times I'm avoided, you know, unfortunately, and that's just how, how the game is. Yeah. So, um, you know, in 2016, I had a string of wins. I was hoping that I would get that phone call in 2017, and unfortunately it didn't happen. You know, I, I got calls to fight uh, J. Leon Love on short notice. I got called to fight Peter Killen on short notice, and these are fights that I accepted. Yeah. But then they go back to the other side. And, and they're not about and it. And these guys say no. So um, I just try to stay busy, try to stay in the gym. And, you know, this way, when I do get that call, I'm always ready. It just doesn't work out that way. So 
So you you do get the call for this one, and 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 you're gonna be back in in a few weeks. Here is is the hope that this is gonna now roll into a, a very busy time, and and we'll get another one in before the end of the year. What are you what are you looking to, I guess, go for for the next like six months or so? I'm hoping so. I mean, obviously that that is the goal is to you know you you obviously want to stay busy. You don't want any any ring rust. So in the event that you do get that call, that you're ready. You know the 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 machine is well lubricated and and you're ready to go to step it up to for whoever it is that they put in front of you um but yeah ultimately that is the goal you know i'd like to get this one in on september 1st which is going to be at the coconut creek casino and hopefully bigger things in the future you got into to, to boxing late but um i wanted to to get a kind of your assessment of of yourself at, at this point in your career like do you still find yourself uh, with with as many years in the game as you've had, like, do you find yourself improving and learning new things day after day? Because you spend so much time in a gym, you're, you know, one of the top coaches down here as well, and and you're around the minds of fighting a lot. So, uh, do you do you find yourself a lot of times going back to the the roots of what you learned, or do you find yourself uh, always evolving? I find myself always evolving. Um, you know, being in the gym, whether it's training fighters to actually training myself. Um, I'm always evolving, you know, and I'm constantly reminding myself as I'm teaching other fighters of some of the basics that I need to stay the course with. It's it's great. It's just a constant reminder of everything that I need to do. And, uh, you know, my mind is always tuned into the sport. So I never deviate away from what, you know, what needs to be done. What could you say, a young Dia Davis, the thing that you focused on the most and, and how has that shifted to, to where you are today as far as training is concerned? Well, a young Dia Davis, I didn't know much. You know, like I learned everything from my father starting at a late age. And, you know, my, my mindset was study, study, study. The more you study, the more you get better. Um, what I would do is I would, I would train. I'd be in a gym for a couple hours with my dad. And I would head home and I would just watch countless videos. And the videos that I watched were just of great fighters. Like, I didn't want to watch any, you know, sort of, uh, sort of speak, like, okay fighters. So I only watched the greats. I watched Evander Holyfield. I watched Pernell Whitaker, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, my father, of course. I would watch uh, Salvador Sanchez. So I'm just constantly reminded of the things that need to be done and watching fighters fight through adversity, and just basically handpick guys apart and just gradually get them out of there. So you were you were almost like you were, you were trying to see what the best were of the greats and see what you could kind of mimic or, or steal? Like it were the things you were trying to emulate? Like what, what was something that you're like, yeah, I, I got I to gotta try that and make that work because uh, that's, that's a pretty unique thing. Indeed. Um, like Ray Leonard, for example, was a great finisher, uh, great boxing ability, but once Ray had you hurt, you were gone. You were in trouble. So that was one thing that I, I tried to emulate. You know, like if uh, I would, I'd see something that I would like, I'd hit pause on the VHS. You know, this is back in like 04. So this is when I, when I first started. I had a, an MMA fighter named Dustin Dennis who gave me a bunch of collection of VHS tapes. And, you know. So you had like the old ESPN classics. And old all that, ESPN so. classics, yeah. So I would, I would just watch countless video. If I saw something I liked, hit pause work on it, you know, try it in the mirror, go back to the tape, hit play again, and just just always studying, you know, always learning and evolving. Did you find yourself, like, when you, when you were trying to execute those things in the gym, like, where your coaches, whether it be your dad or your trainers, would they, like, 
what the hell are you doing where did you learn that like because they want to maybe go with what they were teaching you or or were they kind of hip to your ways of of learning i think they were definitely hip i mean being that i started so late you know i had to i had to grow and excel quickly didn't have a lot of time you know no amateur career so um you know my my time span with and my learning curve had to be quick you know i didn't have time to to fool around so um, the idea was just to gain as much knowledge as possible, whether it be videos or if you're learning from, whether it was learning from my father or even other other trainers in the gym. I mean, he was he was open to whatever. Dai, you started, like, I think I read the story, like, the story was you you were watching, like, a Klitschko fight, and that's why you decided you wanted to, to get into boxing? Like, is that the, is that the I deal? I was watching the last fight between Vitaly Klitschko and Lennox Lewis. And I was a chubster, man. I was 228 pounds. And I just felt like at that time, I said, damn, Klitschko was a short notice replacement up against Lennox Lewis, giving him, giving him fits, man. And I said, you know what? I can do this. I can be heavyweight champion of the world. So after that fight, shadow bo- I started shadow boxing, not knowing how to even throw a punch. The next day I called my dad and I said, Pop, I want to box. He said, box what? <laughs> Oranges and grapes? I said, no, man, I want to box. Stop playing. <laughs> so he says, all right, listen. He said, if you want to box, you got to lose some weight. He's like, there's no way you're going to be a heavyweight. He said, you're six foot. These heavyweights now are behemoths. He said, you're going to have to get down to about light heavyweight, which is 175 pounds. I looked at him like he was crazy. I said, all right. He says, well, I said, well, what do you want me to do? He says, change your diet and start running. So in four months, I got down to 185 pounds. Jeez. So uh, that was it. He saw that I was serious, and I took my journey down to South Florida from New York. My car broke down as literally, literally as soon as I got to Florida, and that's that's it. That was destiny. We're talking to Dia Davis. You guys can catch him September first. He's going to be at the Seminole Casino in Coconut Creek. He's uh, he's back at it. It's Battle at the Creek, and you guys can get your uh, tickets. Best way to go is to go to Dia's social media. It's D Y A H underscore Ali A L I on Instagram. You guys can find him there. Dia Ali Davis on on Twitter. You talk about the frustrations of people like not wanting to fight you. Is it is it mostly frustrating because you're you're seeing this stuff from a certain place, whether it's watching people on TV or you're amongst the elite of the elite because of the people you train with and the people you coach? Is the is the frustration because you know you're at that level and it's just a very hard thing for people to be willing to give the opportunity? It's very frustrating, uh, especially over the last the last few years. Um, uh, you know what's funny is that. Me and Kayla were actually uh, saying that today. We we had a little bit of, we touched on that conversation. And at the end of the day, if it didn't get to where I'd expect it to be, I know I've been in there with, with some of the best. And I know why it is that guys don't want to fight me. So, you know, I've been ranked as high as number three in the world. You know, I was probably one fight away from, from fighting for the world title. You know, with that being said, you know, I've achieved a lot in my career. You know, no amateur career. Started at the age of 23. In a span of eight months, I turned pro. So I've done more than what's expected anyway. So if I were to walk away from the game and didn't ultimately achieve what I wanted, it's okay. I, I'd be all right with that. Well, yeah, you've, you've, you've put yourself uh, a nice career for yourself. But do you, do you still have, like, grand aspirations? Like, where, where, do, you, where do you find yourself... You know, in those in those moments alone, like, do you still think about, you know, still still fighting, 
no silly pun, but like fighting the fight to keep going into the career because you still want to get to those top levels, or is it something that you just do because you have a passion for it? Where where do you what do you see as the main drive for yourself right now? I definitely have a passion for it. Um, you know, the goal is to get back into title contention. I'm still hungry. I'm still in the gym with that same mindset, that same focus. So I'm just gonna keep pushing, man, until until that 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 door opens up for me. Now you're also a coach. You're a coach at American Top Team. You're you're one of the 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 top boxing coaches there. Yes, sir. And you work with the likes of Dustin Poirier, one of the best lightweights on the planet. Amanda Nunes, uh, women's champion. Joanna Jacek, one of the baddest women on the planet. What was that that transition like for you in 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 getting people prepped? Do you do you train people how you would want to be trained? Do you do you get to know your fighters and see what works for them? How does the mindset of a coach work for yourself? Definitely. I mean, every every fighter has a different style, a different makeup. You know, everyone's just built differently. You you need to get to know the fighter first, and then train accordingly. Um, let's see. I mean, with Dustin, he's a hard worker. He's gonna He's going to push to the limit. So each time, you know, what we have our opponent scheduled, we work on on their weaknesses, on how we can capitalize on their weaknesses. Getting into uh, some of the stuff that's going on currently with your guy, Dustin Poirier. Uh, it was just announced past week that he's going to be fighting Nate Diaz at right. Madison Square Garden. Should right. Nate Diaz show up? Because he had a little spat on, uh, on, on Twitter that he was mad at the UFC because they announced the Conor McGregor thing. Um, but I've been saying this on the show for a while now. If Dustin was in any other weight class, he'd probably have three title shots by now. For sure. With how good he's been and how dominant he's been for, man, four years since since going to 155. So when you look at the Nate Diaz fight, do you do you look at this as it's 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 notoriety and that's and that's to show that Dustin is above the, maybe the people who are just better known right now? Or is it just you gotta keep him busy and you gotta keep him hungry because of the circumstances at hand? Uh, Dustin's the guy who likes to stay busy. Um, he's not a guy who likes to sit and wait. So, whereas there are a lot of weird things going on with the lightweight division right now, especially at the top, um, he wants to stay busy and he wants the best challenges. Nate Diaz is in front of him right now, and uh, obviously a, a tough challenge. You know, he's beating the likes of Connor and the who's who of the lightweight division. So he wants to test himself. I mean, regardless, he's not going to sit on the on the shelf for eight months to 10 months to a year waiting for this whole lightweight yeah. the top well, guys in the lightweight taking, to unfold. He's taking crazy challenges too. Like Indeed. It's, not, it's Indeed. not been a, it's not been one of these things where he's sitting on the sidelines. Like he's whoever's the craziest thing out there going to, cause I mean that Eddie fight, he was, he was rocking along. I'm talking about the first one. Right. And with the circumstances at hand, I could understand him saying, look, I think I've proven myself against Eddie. And he really wanted to put an exclamation point on that. Yeah. No, definitely. It was a lot of bad blood going into that one. And uh, as you can see, Dustin got a little hot-headed towards the end of the fight. After he already finished Eddie, he was still going after the coaches. Like, you know, you guys roll with this <laughs> Like, y'all just as guilty. Y'all got to go down, too. I'm like, it's dude, it's over. You yeah. got it. The wind's, the wind's in your pocket now. I wonder from that standpoint, because you, you're you on both sides of it. Like, it's, it's a lot of team that goes into fighting because you need a lot of people to prepare yourself, but it, man, it's an individual sport. And at the end of the day, it is just you. So where do you, where do you find that balance? Like from, from your standpoint of being the guy who supports the guy and then being the guy who's in the ring, like, what is that balance? Like it's a little different. I mean, you know, obviously when you got your guy that you're working with, 
and that you're coaching on a regular basis and they win, it's rewarding. Um, especially when they're executing the game plan that, you know, you guys worked on in the gym, you know, at uh, phone conversations. When all of that gets said and done, it's just as rewarding, if not as satisfying, you know, for your own personal win. Really? It is. Yeah? It is. It is. That's interesting. But, like, because because boxing can be dealing with a lot of BS and a lot of frustration, that's stuff that's out of your hands when everything is supposed to be in your hands. You know what I mean? Like, you're in a sport where you have to take care of everything yourself in on, on fight night. And there's a lot of BS that's around it that's not able to be in your control. And you kind of just... You got to let things, you know, be how they are and just do the best job as possible. When, when you put all that stuff aside, what are the most rewarding things on on fight night and winning? And and when you see that those things come to fruition that you've worked so hard on? You know, when uh, when you've got a fighter who's dedicated, you know, especially like, you know, Dustin, for example, he's very family oriented. Um, you know, everything that he does is is for the building of his his family, his family's future. You know, he's got a daughter now, so um, he's just trying to make sure that she's got everything that she needs growing up. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely rewarding when a guy puts in all that hard work, all that hard effort, and he comes out on top. You know, you just, you want to see, you want to see that for a guy like Dustin. He, uh, like I said, he works extremely hard, and everything he does is just, on the on the back of his family, but but what about for you? I mean, personally, when you're when you're on fight night, like what are the moments that you I guess savor the most on, on a successful fight night? Successful fight night is satisfaction. Um, you know, you definitely put in the hard work. You're you're either at home, you're watching video of your opponent, you're training in, you're in the gym every day, working hard. You get up early mornings for that road work. Um, you know, just. It's so many different scenarios that that play in your mind, you know, that that when you're getting ready for a fight, you know, unfortunately you have, it may enter your mind a scenario of you losing, but you try to eliminate that right away. It's like, all right, let me get that out of my head. You're not going to lose. You're going to win. You're seeing your hand raised. You're victorious come fight night. There's nobody in the world going to beat you. You beat up everybody in the gym. You beat up every, you know, you've done everything that you've done, that you've needed to do to get prepared whether it was sparring or your road work, the train, the hard training in the gym, you know, the sauna sit. Sometimes you you got to cut weight, so you know that you're gonna come out victorious in the end. It's mind over matter. That's all it is. We're talking to Diet Davis. You guys got to go see him fight September first. He's fighting at the Seminole Casino in Coconut Creek. Battle at the Creek, guys. Uh, hit him up on on social media. Best way to get your your tickets there at Diet underscore Ali. And of course, we'll uh, we'll post this out once the the interview posts at well at, at 790 the ticket and at Brendan underscore Tobin. You guys will be able to find it there. I really appreciate the time, man. Uh, it's much appreciated, and we're rooting for you. Thank you, brother, man. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.